Welcome to the Victory of the Lamb podcast. We are a simple, straightforward Bible teaching church located in Katy, Texas. If you're in the area, we'd love for you to stop by anytime. Otherwise, we hope you use this podcast to grow in your faith and be confident in sharing that faith with many. You can find us online at VOTL.org. We hope you enjoy this message. God bless your week. Read through the Gospels and you hear the words of Jesus, there's one thing that you cannot deny. Jesus loves to teach using agricultural terms and pictures. Why he does this, I can't say for sure. Maybe he does it because he knew the people of this time and culture would have been able to pick up on the ideas of farming and planting and harvesting and growing. Or maybe he just knew that these topics were a great way to teach scriptural truths. If I were to guess, I would say it's probably a little bit of both. But Jesus loves to use agricultural language. There's examples all through the gospel. For example, I'll I'll give you three of them. Jesus uses the picture of a farmer sowing seed, throwing out his seed out out into the field on all different types of soil, and uses that picture to describe someone sending out the gospel message to four different types of people and those different people will accept that message in different ways. On another occasion, Jesus is walking through a field with his disciples and he says to them, open your eyes, look, the field is ripe for harvest. But He wasn't talking about the grain or the wheat that was growing. He was talking about telling his disciples, look, There are many souls in the world that are desperate to hear the message of the gospel. And finally, the last example I'll give you is is Jesus compares the final judgment, the last day, to a farmer separating wheat from chaff. He says that God and his angels will separate the believers, the wheat, from those who have rejected Christ, the unbelievers, the chaff. The believers will be brought into the storehouses, into the barns, into God's heavenly mansion, and the wheat will be left in the field to be burned. So as you can see, Jesus loves to use agricultural terms in his teaching and in his preaching. And it's not only isolated to the Gospels either. It's something that you can see in all of Scripture. For example, this morning in Acts chapter 2, our, our sermon verses this morning, we see God connecting intimately a very important Jewish harvest festival to a much more meaningful, a much more important harvest of souls into the family of believers. It's a harvest that is ongoing. It's a harvest that God has called you to work in. The harvest is ready. Luke begins his account here in Acts with just some background information, just some preliminary details. He says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Pentecost was one of three Jewish festivals that the Jewish people were required to travel from wherever they lived to Jerusalem to worship, to offer sacrifices, to give gifts. And it was called Pentecost, because it is 50 days after the celebration of another one of those festivals, Passover. Pentecost is also known as the the Feast of Harvest or maybe the Feast of Weeks. If you're reading through scripture, you might see one of those terms, but Pentecost is probably the most well-known of all of them. 
And so there they were. The disciples of Jesus, whether it was just the 12 or more than that, we're not exactly sure, probably more than just the 12 apostles. They're gathered in Jerusalem, staying, getting ready to celebrate the, uh, the celebration of Pentecost. Gathering together, getting ready to worship and honor God. But this one was a little bit different. There's no doubt in my mind that as these followers of Jesus were gathering together to, to celebrate this festival, they were also thinking about that festival 50 days earlier, Passover, where they spent that evening with Jesus before he was going to be crucified, died, and would be buried, and then eventually rise again and ascend into heaven. No doubt in my mind as these disciples are gathering, encouraging each other, sharing stories, memories, that the command of Jesus was still ringing in their ears that he had given them just days before. You see, Jesus told his disciples, stay in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. And I'm sure that's what they were discussing that Pentecost morning. When is this power going to come? What is it going to look like? What is it going to do? How long is it going to take? We don't know how long or, or what questions they were asking, but it, it didn't take very long that first Pentecost morning that they were gathered there to figure out what Jesus was talking about. Because suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Suddenly the sound of a rushing hurricane force wind swept through the city, filled the home that they were gathered in, and all of a sudden a strange source of light appears, dividing itself and resting upon each of their heads. A terrifying situation, maybe, but a powerful one, absolutely. And it must have been quite a sight and a quite a sound because before they knew it, hordes of people were coming and flocking towards them. What's going on? People from all over the Mediterranean world, unsure of what's going on. It must have been quite a sight and a sound. Just listen to the way that Luke describes these people coming to this situation. He says, utterly perplexed, amazed, bewildered. These people were coming and asking what in the world was going on and then the Spirit manifests in another way and all of a sudden these people, these followers of Jesus begin to proclaim the works, the praises of God in languages from all of those people's homelands. Listen again to the list of different nations and ethnicities that they begin to proclaim God's word to. Parthians and Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. This is just another one of those situations in the Bible that you would love to go back to, not only to see but to hear what is going on. Just a cacophony of different sounds being proclaimed to everyone, different languages and native tongues. How in the world is this happening? That's what they were asking. What does this mean? How is this happening? How are these simple Galilean men proclaiming the works of God in the languages that I was born in? How? How is it possible? 
Well, Peter answers that question for them. He, he stands up, he addresses the crowd, and he says, this is the fulfillment of God's promise. God has promised that his spirit is going to be poured out on all people, and that's exactly what the prophet Joel prophesied about hundreds of years ago. God's spirit is going to be poured out on all believers Men, women, young and old, his spirit is not going to be limited to a certain race or class or age or gender or status. All people will receive the blessing of God's spirit. And it's that same spirit that allowed the disciples, the followers of Jesus, to partake in that first great harvest of souls. As the story of Acts continues, Acts chapter 2, in just a few verses after the sermon verses this morning, we hear that Peter finishes his sermon, finishes preaching to the people, and once that is done, over 3,000 people are baptized. Men, women, and children, all receiving the gift of the Spirit as they are being baptized and brought into God's family. The doors of heaven wide open for people of all the world to come in. People who had never heard the message of God in his forgiveness, God in his love, had been brought into the family of believers. And it's just the beginning of the harvest. It was just the first fruits. It's a harvest that's still ongoing for us. The harvest is ready. That account in Acts is amazing and astounding and beautiful. But maybe as you're hearing about it this morning, you're wondering in the back of your minds the same question that some of those men and women came to the disciples with. What does this mean? What does this have to do with me? Well, I don't really want to sound dramatic, but it has everything to do with you. Because the spirit that God sent to his followers on Pentecost over 2,000 years ago is the same spirit that he sends to you. The Joel prophecy that says that God's spirit is going to be sent upon all people is not only limited to those who heard Peter's sermon 2,000 years ago, it applies to you. The same spirit that Jesus promised to send to his disciples and did send to his disciples is the same spirit that God sends to you. Listen to the words of Jesus as he encourages his disciples just before he is about to die and he promises them that spirit. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you the spirit of truth to be with you forever. He lives with you and in you and when he comes, he will guide you in all truth. Those words that Jesus spoke to his disciples are the same words that he speaks to each and every one of you. God has called you to be a worker in his harvest field. God has sent his spirit into your hearts. That's an amazing, comforting, beautiful message, isn't it? It's powerful. And yet, our sinful nature would love nothing more than to twist that true message that God has called you, that God has sent his spirit to you, our sinful nature would love nothing more than to twist that into something horribly wrong. And usually that comes in one of two areas, either a selfish pride 
or a false humility. And let's dive into those a little bit because the first thing that comes to my mind when I hear that God has chosen me, has poured out his spirit into my heart is, oh, I must have done something pretty great for God to have done that for me. I must bring something to the table for God to want me to be his worker. Well, there's a self-righteous, proud, prejudiced Pharisee in each of our hearts that loves to convince us that we did something to deserve God's spirit. We did something for God to call us to work for him. And when that self-righteous, proud Pharisee whispers in our ear, it convinces us that because we might have done something for God, then that, determine, that makes us determine the terms and conditions that we have to work for him. And that self-righteous, proud Pharisee will then say, well, I see the harvest field out there, but that area looks a little bit too difficult for me. It's a little too rocky. There's a little bit too many stones. Those people over there that I want to harvest, well, they don't look like me. They don't talk like me. They don't sound like me. They don't have the same values as me. And so I'll leave that for someone else. Someone else can do that. I'll make myself a nice little square here and I'll harvest right here where I'm comfortable. Well, that Pharisee in our heart needs to be placed in check because one, we did nothing for God for him to call us to work for him. It was only because of his love and his grace and his mercy that we are called to be his workers. Only because of his love that he has poured out his spirit upon you. And the second thing that we need to realize is that the gospel message is for all people. That's what Pentecost is all about. Yes, those people over there that don't look like you. Yes, those people over there that don't sound like you. The gospel message is for them. The harvest is ready. But maybe pride isn't the voice that's being whispered in your heart this morning. Maybe it's on the other side of the spectrum, the, the, the false humility that comes along with it. Maybe the voice in your heart isn't so much a proud Pharisee, but more the voice of Moses at the burning bush. Lord, who am I that you should send me? I don't, I can't. I, 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 Lord, I, I don't have the abilities. I can't speak. I can't do it. I'll leave it for someone else. I won't, I, there's nothing that I can contribute to your harvest field, Lord. And while we did nothing for God to choose us to work for him, he has given us his spirit and he has given each and every one of us gifts and talents and abilities that we don't want to push under the rug, that we don't want to hide. We want to use them to the glory of God. So let's avoid both ditches. Let's avoid the, avoid the ditch of pride and the, the ditch of false humility. And it's interesting because while they seem to be on two opposite sides of the spectrum, God's answer is the same. God's solution is the same. God speaks to that sinful worker, that sinful harvester in our hearts, and he says, it's not about you. It's never been about you. It's not about what you can or can't do. It's about my love and my forgiveness that I've given to you to give to others. It's about the message of forgiveness for all peoples of all the world. It's about those in the harvest field that are waiting and longing to hear the message that you have for them. And I will give you the power to do so. That's what our God says to us. I will give you the spirit of truth. I will empower you to be my worker. And so let's go. 
Let's look on the horizon. Let's see the harvest field waiting to be gathered. And maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, I don't really know where to start. I don't really know what I can do. And that's fine. But listen to the words once again of our hymn of the day this morning, the lyrics that we just sang, and maybe it'll give you some ideas. If you cannot speak like angels, if you cannot preach like Paul, you can tell the love of Jesus. You can say he died for all. I'm pretty confident that none of us in this room can speak like an angel or preach like the apostle Paul, but It's not the only way that you can work in God's harvest field. Don't underestimate the simplicity of the message of the gospel, that God loves you, that God has died for you, that because God has died for you, you don't have to worry about sin or death or the devil. It's a free gift that God has given to you, and don't underestimate that. You can tell the love of Jesus. You can say he died for all to anyone. And maybe that's a little bit scary, but then listen to what he says as he continues. If you cannot rouse the wicked with the judgment's dread alarms, you can lead the little children to the Savior's waiting arms. Maybe the thought of going out to the wicked world and proclaiming the love of Jesus is a little bit scary, but again, that's not the only way that you can work in the harvest field. Don't underestimate the simplicity of gathering around the world, the word with your family. Don't underestimate reading scripture with a child. Don't underestimate the power of the gospel. Gathering around the world is around the word is as much is as much harvesting in the world as it is harvesting as a family. And finally, If you cannot be a watchman standing high on Zion's walls, pointing out the path to heaven, offering life and peace to all, well then with your prayers and with your offerings, you can do what God demands. You can be like faithful Aaron, holding up the prophet's hands. Just in the last few weeks, our synod has sent out men and women to be pastors and teachers, new graduates both from MLC and from Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary. And no, none of you are able to, to be in their shoes to go and point out um, to, to classrooms full of little children or to stand up into a pulpit. Not all of you are able to do that, but you can work in God's harvest field by supporting those who do. You can hold up the prophet's hands with your time and with your offerings and with your prayers. That is just as much working in, heart, in God's harvest field as proclaiming the message of the gospel supporting those who do it full-time in their jobs. There are plenty of opportunities in front of us, brothers and sisters. There are plenty of opportunities to work in God's harvest field. The fields are ripe. They're longing to hear the message that you have. They're longing to hear the forgiveness that Christ has won for you. So let's get to work, because the harvest is ready. Amen. We know your time is precious. Thank you so much for investing some of your time with us today. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you be so kind as to click to follow our show and give us a five-star rating? That's a quick and easy way to help us get the message of truth out to more people. 
Thank you so much. God bless your day in Christ.